Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, February 27th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So what's the latest? I mean, I, I guess, you know, interviews have been issued for nearly every school except those that really drip, you know, drip them out here and there. But I feel like people are in full on interview mode and continue. That continues to be the theme here for the last several weeks on the show, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're recording this episode on Wednesday, so we haven't actually seen the Sloan interview invites come out yet. But we are anticipating that as you listen to this podcast, our listeners, those happened at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, so, so, so by that point, yes, all top schools will have released interview invites, but some schools are still trickling them out. So, you've got programs like Haas, who perennially will release invites late, as well as Stern, Johnson. You know, they typically um, fall into that bucket. Um, so, so yeah, still a lot of anxiety out there, Graham. Folks waiting for those invites. Yeah, I know it's, um, <laughs> I sometimes wonder which is worse. Like, you know, the schools, some of the schools have this single day and it's just, bam, you get an interview or you're rejected. And so it's That's very, better. you like that better. Yeah, it's sudden. Whereas, you know, the others, people can kind of cling to hope, you know, oh, am I still going to get that Yale or Stanford invitation at the down to the wire? But yeah, so we'll, we'll that, get there. The, the, the <laughs> latter is better for our site. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Anxiety is good for communi- community. Yeah, because people <laughs> need to, yeah, somebody to talk to about it all. But in any event, uh, a couple of... Uh, things over on the website that I wanted to highlight. We did run our, um, one of our most famous pieces of content, the seven hardest interview questions and how to answer them. There's also a podcast that was done. I think you did it with Jeanette, who was, you know, former kind of editor in chief for the site many moons ago when the podcast was sort of a new thing. Uh, but the article's great. And so is the podcast. So if people want to kind of explore those hard interview questions Go for it. My favorite is the one, I think there's the one in there that's like, you know, what other schools are you applying to and why? Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a wicked, a, yeah. wicked, wicked question. I know, terrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, go check out the article if you want to know how to answer it or, you know, tune into the podcast that Alex recorded a while back. The other big news, Alex, is that both Michigan Ross and UT Austin McCombs have announced that they've added fourth rounds to their admissions cycle this year. Uh, they mentioned that that was due to all the layoffs and, and things happening where people are kind of scrambling and, and maybe looking at an MBA as a, a way to kind of retool and, and ride out all these layoffs and things. So what do you make of that? <laughs> yeah, on the one hand, I really I like the agility of the MBA admissions process because yeah. in years past, we weren't agile, mm-hmm. and I say we because I was you know, <laughs> more, more intimately involved. Um, so, so I do like the fact that over the last few years, we've seen more schools become more agile based on market circumstance. Um, and the market circumstance here is, yeah, we're seeing a lot of layoffs, so folks are, are, are probably um, considering the MBA at slightly different times um, because of that. But it's also the market conditions are, I'm guessing, round two apps were low. Yeah. And schools are trying to be a little bit more creative in terms of trying to figure out how do they get that excellent, outstanding class in at the end of the day. So um, I think basically what I'm saying is there are a couple of 
big sort of macro factors driving these decisions. Yeah, agreed. And I also think, you know, it could be that if the pool is smaller, these schools are competing increasingly, you know, especially as, you know, with scholarship dollars, et cetera. And so it could be that they're looking at their yields at around one and saying, you know what, we need to kind of keep the um, valve open and get some more candidates in the door. Uh, Yeah. And I did, I mean, we just saw there was a big news story about McKinsey laying off a couple thousand people, largest layoff ever done by McKinsey. Now, I don't think it's consultants. It tends, sounded like it was more um, support staff and things, but it can't bode well that they're cutting costs. And so I would imagine it may impact hiring. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of factors here that are in play. And Yeah, it started with the tax sector. Yep. The banks have, have, have gone, gone down that road. Now we're seeing yeah. consulting also. I mean, this is a really tough time yeah. in, in, in the marketplace, no doubt. And I'm sure those in MBA programs that are sort of looking at internship opportunities and recruiting for their... I mean, the 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 mar- It's got to be a little bit stressful for some of those folks. Yes. Now, does it make sense to go to business school? Well, in two years' time, or in a year's time, when you're being recruited, um, what we would hope is the market conditions will have sort of normalised a little bit, and then we'll start seeing some more significant growth again. Um, so I still think it's a viable, you know, getting the a top MBA is still a very viable um, thing to do, but. Certainly, right now, things seem very uncertain. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that with the news of layoffs and and just, you know, uncertainty, like you're saying, sometimes people have this tendency to say, oh, I'm not going to go off to business school, when in reality, like now might be a pretty good time to be a candidate because you're not going to graduate until, you know, well, what is it? You're going to start in the fall of 23, you're going to graduate in 25. So there's there's a lot of time in there. And actually for those tuning in who are going to apply next year, we're even looking another year further out. So I, I agree with you. It's probably still a great ROI um, for people if, at these top schools. And But I, I feel for those who are in an MBA program now who might be buffeted by some of these, you know, macroeconomic factors. So we'll see. Yeah, the short the short run does look a little dicey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of all that stuff, INSEAD have published their employment report. And so I'll just zip through the numbers, Alex, and get your take before we move into the wiretaps portion and, and profile our candidates for the week. Uh, so with INSEAD, 94% of those graduating, and they, they graduate two classes a year. So I guess this is um, those who graduated last spring, but also those who graduated back in December of the prior year, right? So, because they, they, they graduate two classes a year. They have a lot of students they're putting out into the marketplace. In any event, 94% had at least one offer within three months of graduation. The median salary at INSEAD was $110,000 a year. Signing bonus, 26000 You know, on the median salary, much lower than some of those top U.S. schools, but you got to take into account the fact that a lot of these jobs are in markets that are just not known for such big salaries that you see in North America. So, you know, I I see that all the time here in France, for example. Salaries are much lower even compared with the U.K. and certainly with the U.S. So keep that in mind. Um, In terms of industry, you know, that industry placements, management consulting led the way with 53% of the students uh, heading off in that direction. 22% went into technology, 12% into financial services, and then 13% went into other kind of corporate roles. They don't really specify what that means. And that's a, a category that we don't see with the U.S. schools. So I'm, I think it just, you know, it's probably industry jobs. Um, but in any event, those are the kind of broad placements. I sadly, 
really don't have last year's figures to compare to. They're like nowhere to be found on the web. INSEAD wipes them on their site when they put up the new numbers. So I couldn't find anything except for, I did dig up some figures from a couple of years ago. And, you know, as we would expect, those management consulting numbers are higher now um, than they were a couple of years ago. So they're up about 5%. And the tech number is a little bit lower, only by a percentage point though. So pretty steady um, in any event. It's, I, I'll try and dig up that other report. I just, we don't seem to have it for some reason. And INSEAD, as I said, doesn't have it on the site. Uh, in terms of the regional stuff, they sent 38% of their graduates into Western Europe, uh, 24% to Asia Pacific, 12% to Africa and the Middle East. Uh, 9% to Southern Europe, which I guess is probably, well, I, I don't know how they define that. Probably maybe Spain, Portugal, Greece. I'm not really sure how they're defining that. In any event, uh, North America, 8%. And Alex, those so those are the basic figures. I was kind of wondering what your thoughts are. I mean, we did talk about LBS's placement stats last week, and we've been going through all the top schools in the States. So where do you kind of see all this fitting? Yeah, like you say, the average um, starting salary is um, comparable um, for top European business schools, and we know that they um, fall a little bit behind their peer schools in um, the United States. Sure. Um, that are effectively sending a lot of folks into New York City and places like that. Um, the 53% consulting is not surprising at all. Um, it's very, very high, um, but INSEAD is known as a, a, as a really good sort of option for for consultants or those wanting to go into consulting or those that are just going from a consulting firm to an MBA back to their consulting firm. So INSEAD has a strong reputation for that. So that doesn't surprise me at all. That financial services number has to be the lowest for any top program at 12%. I'd never really paid attention to how low that number is, but that's quite interesting. Yeah. And their geographic spread makes perfect sense because they've got the campuses in, in Asia, Asia Pacific, they've got a campus in Western Europe, and they've got a camp, campus in the Middle East. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that's where they're, um, they're able to, to send their, their, their graduates. Yeah, so we see that regionalization, with the, we, and yeah. we see that with all the schools, even the very best schools. Um, I mean, there, there are a couple of exceptions, but yeah, they, you know, people tend to land near the campuses where the school's <laughs> located, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I agree with you on the finance side of things. It is a low number. I, in the two years ago data that I had, it was 14% instead of 12%, but still pretty small um, figures there. I guess, you know, it's just that they're not sending a ton of people into like investment banking and, and those domains that you might see in the States or even in London, right? So in any event, um, that is what it is. I, I, wonder, yeah. I wonder if that number shifts if more of the city, London, the city migrates to Europe because of Brexit. Yeah, it's possible. Because like, like you say, the financial centers are typically London, um, New York, Hong Kong, or wherever it is. And these aren't places where INSEAD is, you know, their three campuses, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so, so maybe that does shift a little bit. Yeah. So in any event, interesting stuff out of INSEAD, obviously it, the, all the numbers are pretty great. And, and like you say, they are a powerhouse for consulting placements and people tend to know that. So um, over on the website, one other thing I wanted to mention is that we're starting to see people accrue 
likes on the comments that they leave on Livewire uh, or any of the wires that we have. And it's really nice to see that. So I've noticed that we've got a couple of starred users now and you just accumulate those stars. So yeah, appreciate everyone liking each other's comments if they're helpful and, and earning those stars. Uh, I've seen you, at least a you couple. You keep pushing that, Graham. How, how many likes do you have? I'm actually closing in on a thousand. I just, I noticed the oh, other blood. day that I'm going to cross. Oh, I was going to say, oh, bloody hell, but I shouldn't swear on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'll get there, you know, but I'm not nowhere near you or Elliot. So I guess my comments aren't as helpful. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, Elliot, Elliot's gone gone way out in front. I can't compete with Elliot. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. Uh, over The other thing I wanted to mention is that we did a special episode of the podcast where I talked with uh, a woman from Business Fundamentals, which is kind of a competitor for MBA Math and HBS Core. They offer, it's the same concept where they offer stats, um, accounting, uh, there's a third one too that's escaping me right now. What is it? Um, I guess it's probably econ or finance or something to get people up to speed for business school. And their course is actually pretty good. They they teamed up. Uh, it's GMAC and Kaplan that teamed up to make it. And I think it's like $199, and you get all three classes. And there you do them on your own time. And and it seems really great. I mean, they had a bunch of business school professors design them. And because it's GMAC that's making it, I think the you know the schools are used to kind of. Um, getting data from GMAC about test scores and things. So another good option in the marketplace for people looking to do kind of transcript repair or to demonstrate kind of academic readiness and quantitative skill. So that's out there. And I recorded a podcast with the woman who runs the program and also with a guy um, who actually took the courses. And he, he was he's actually at McCombs now as a student, and it was really interesting to kind of connect with him and just hear what he had to say. Uh, he had been out of school for a while when he applied to business school. So it was really, for him, he was just using it to kind of get up to speed so that he could hit the ground running. And it's turned out to be a, a very smart move on his part because he's uh, thriving in, in his second semester now. So in any event, um, there's a podcast episode. It's in the feed here. So if you're listening to this show, you probably have seen it. Uh, you can always. So yeah. we, 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 we should probably update our because we do a, a comparison right yes. between MBA math and HBS core. Maybe we need to update that story. Yeah. And, and introduce business fundamentals and see how it matches up with these other two options. Yeah, that's a great point. So I'll, I'll mention that to Lauren on our team and we'll try to get that into the analysis so that people can see all three side by side. Uh, other than that, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email Alex and I by writing to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. Alex, should we get on with the show and talk about our candidates for this week? Let's kick on. All right, so this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So Alex, you picked an apply wire entry for this week's first candidate, and it's someone who's already applied um, or in the process of applying right now, and they have six schools on their target list, and the schools are Babson, Duke, INSEAD, Rice, UNC, and Yale. Um, This person's been working in business-to-business sales, they would love to do something entrepreneurial or you know, kind of in the tech domain after business school. They have a really great GRE score, 332, um, and they have a comparatively lower GPA, which is a 3.0. They've worked for seven years, and I should mention that aside from doing B2B sales, they actually, um, I believe, started a business that didn't work out. Um, they ran into some challenges with COVID when they launched, and, and so they have that experience of kind of being what they describe as a failed entrepreneur. Uh, they're located in Pakistan, and they would love to land in the States after business school. 
They're wondering whether or not that GRE score, which is quite high, will cover the undergrad GPA. And they also were kind of just asking questions about, you know, kind of their career background and, you know, what does it mean to have failed at, at launching a venture and whether that's, you know, going to be useful or not in the process. And you had a really nice dialogue with them, Alex. So I'll let you kind of take it from here. But what do you make of the nuts and bolts here on this candidacy? Yeah, I mean, I actually quite, I really like this candidate um, in terms of probably their professional experiences. Um, so in B2B sales as an entrepreneur and, you know, that basically that their entrepreneurial experience was, was importing um, products from China, I'm assuming into Pakistan, and, and that really got derailed by COVID. So you can, there's absolutely a, a, a reason why that sort of endeavor would run into significant challenges. So, so I, I can understand that. And obviously as a failed entrepreneur, that can be a, a, a big part of your story um, in, in terms of, you know, the application, right? But it's going to be key. What did you learn from the experience, et cetera, right. et cetera? Um, the, the, the person has a really high GRE, um, 332, so that's going to um, be very helpful. Their GPA is, is um, below, well, it appears to be below average. They've, they've recorded a 3.0. We don't know if that's a, um, a US GPA or an international GPA, what the ranking was and what, what context. Why is this GPA low if it is, in fact, low? Mm-hmm. They need to explain that. We don't know that. Um, so, so um, with all that said, I, I, I think there's a lot to like. If you look at the GRE, you look at their professional experience. The, the, the harm here is that they're applying in round three. So the question for me to them is why all of a sudden are you, you planning to apply? Um, because I think their failed entrepreneurial experience comes before some of their latter right. professional experience. Yeah, it's, it didn't so just So they're happen. currently working, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so why now? Um, because their odds of gaining admission in round three or round four, five, or six, depending on what the schools are doing <laughs> by um, uh, February, you know, uh, June, July, August, or whatever, but the, the odds do diminish in these later rounds. If they were targeting first round, um, this season, um, I think there might be quite a lot to like about them um, overall. Um, but that all said, I don't know that they're overly ambitious with their um, target um, school list, given their profile. So, and we talked about this before um, coming on Airgram, they might well um, see some positive results at um, potentially Babson, maybe Keenan Flagler, um, possibly Rice, um, Duke. I mean, these are the schools that they're targeting. But is a positive decision amongst this school set ideal or would round one next season um, and elevate that target list to um, more top 16, maybe an M7, yeah. uh, make more sense? So the question is, why, why, why are they needing to go now is my point. Yeah, it is, it's, it's an interesting conundrum, right? Because I think that you know, when we look at this candidate and let's, you know, right away, they're applying late. So that's going to be a strike against. Number two, they're from Pakistan, which I think ultimately lumps them kind of into the sort of South Asian, Indian, you know, mold in terms of being overrepresented relatively in the pool. I don't know what their undergraduate degree is. I mean, if it's, if it's a technical degree or a business degree or something, but again, they could be overrepresented. Their GPA is very low. uh, Although I would want to know, 
what scale it was on originally, if it's not a US GPA, because that might be helpful and also what their class rank is or something. But I agree with you. I mean, what's interesting to me is that given the lack of application volume this year, they may they may very well find that they've gotten into uh, one of these programs on their list, maybe the ones that are a little bit lower ranking. And then you have to beg, that begs the question, well, what would have happened if they wait and apply in round one next year um, and maybe do some things to continue to bolster their profile in the interim? So yeah, it is an interesting, I, I just, part of me wonders with that GPA and you know, kind of the ups and downs in their career and their overrepresentation, whether they're going to make the cut at a top, let's say top 10 type school, even in round one next year. That's the question mark for me. Yeah. But again, I think the GRE really helps in that case. Yeah. And we don't know the context of that GPA. They need to explain that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, the, yeah. And I, I got a, I got a feeling that they've done well professionally, learned a lot that that's going to be positive. They also do some work in their ECs tied to a, 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 a business that their father set up, um, a, a non-profit school in their village. So depending on the impact that they've had in that yeah. endeavor too, is going to be quite um, illustrative. Yeah, that's true. So I, yeah, I think that there's sort of a lot of question marks here and they're already in process with some of these applications. So we'll see what happens. Um, if I had to guess, my, I would say they're going to maybe get in towards the bottom end of the schools they're applying to when it comes to ranking. And, and then they'll just have to make that decision about what they want to do. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's an interesting case because it really is kind of, we don't see that many people applying so late and this year's a little different maybe because of <laughs> yeah. things going on. Yeah. But I want to thank them for their post. And, and obviously that what was great is that they really, you know, were responsive to the questions you posed and you guys had a nice dialogue. We always like to see that. I know, Alex, you tend to favor wire entries where people come back and forth with you a little bit. So it makes sense, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So let's move. Um, yeah. And, and people that say they love the podcast. Yes. Well, speaking of which, <laughs> let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry, um, and this person has 10 schools on their target list. They're not applying, though, um, until next season, so they're targeting uh, 2024 as kind of an intake year. The schools they have on their list are Berkeley, Dartmouth, Duke, Harvard, Michigan, MIT, Kellogg, Stanford, Wharton, and Yale. So very much a top 16 type focus. This person is an architect, and they're thinking about pivoting into consulting in the short term. So they have Bain, BCG, McKinsey, as well as Ernst & Young on the target list. Their GRE score is a 329, which is also a very high score. Um, and their GPA is a 3.48. They've got four and a half years of experience. They're located in the US. They'd love to land in Boston or on the West Coast after business school. And they indicate that you know, they've been working as an architect, but in the short term after business school, they just want to do management consulting so they can develop a business acumen. In the long term, they'd love to do nonprofit consulting or somehow work in the nonprofit sector. They're really passionate about social impact and all of their extracurriculars or the lion's share of them uh, are, you know, in that domain. And it sounds like they've had some nice uh, accomplishments and, and just done a lot of volunteer work around sustainability and social equity. They, um, you know, chaired a regional conference about that stuff and et cetera. So they also at work have received early promotion. They've been nominated for the Emerging Architect Award. Uh, so they're, 
you know, definitely doing well on all <laughs> on all fronts. Um, they do have a master's of architecture from a top 10 university, as well as a bachelor in architecture from a top university. They don't specify which one, but we'll take their word for it. So what do you make of this candidacy? I mean, they're, they're not applying just yet. They're going to apply in the fall, right? But what do you make of this, Alex? What's the weakest part of this candidacy? I don't know. I mean, I was going to say... If you got, if you look at like Stanford and Harvard and Wharton, their GPA is below average. But I mean, they have a three point four eight. What is it? Three six, three seven at those top schools. Maybe a little bit higher at Stanford. But I, I don't know. Is there anything that's jumping out at you? <laughs> well, I don't know. They, they've got a master's in architecture too from the top university. So um, I assume we can look beyond the GPA a little bit. Yeah, I wonder what the GRE is. Is I, relatively speaking, is is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Three twenty nine. Yeah. Um, their work experience sounds really fantastic. Lots of awards and stuff along the way. The extracurriculars sound pretty fantastic. Um, lots of involvement and and in areas that Adcom are going to really love, like sustainability, social equity, um, and so on and so forth. Um, their plan makes sense in terms of wanting management consulting to you know, further develop those business fundamentals. They want it in the long run, sort of dip back into um, architecture um, projects um, with, a, with a social impact nature and lead those um, sort of assignments and those projects. Um, because what they've witnessed in their um, current sort of experiences, those types of non-profit projects have just run extremely poorly. Mm -hmm. So they've identified an area which they can truly make an impact, tying everything together in terms of their background. So I'm saying, okay, this is what this um, candidate should do. Narrow this, this list to about three or four schools for round one, really going after the top schools um, on their list for round one. They might then well be done. If they need to dip back into round two, that's going to be fine too, because they're not overrepresented in the pool either. So um, frankly, Graham, yeah, I think we, we've got potentially an outstanding candidate. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I really, I, you know, I think, I think I mentioned on the show some time ago that I had an architect on my learning team at Wharton and this guy named Alan, and he was, he just offered such amazing kind of, just had a di really different background than everyone else who'd kind of come from the business world. And so I, I'm a big fan of architects coming to business school. The only thing that I would say is I would like for them to weave in the architecture angle more closely with their goals so that it's not like a way down the road kind of thing that they return to this strength that they have right. in architecture. But, you know, frankly, yeah, I, everything kind of lines up here. And as long as they, I love that they've already taken the test, they can really just buckle down, as you say, narrow the school list, apply to some big ones in the first round, and, and basically take the next several months to really get to know these programs and, and develop compelling application materials. So yeah, I, I really like this candidate. Um, I was thinking we should probably get some um, t-shirts made that just say top university, you know, kind of in that college type font. That would be fun to have just, you know, people walking around with a shirt that says top university. Um, but, but in any event, it does sound like they did go to, you know, excellent schools. And so there's nothing, yeah, yeah. I, yeah nothing yeah. really jumps out at me as being, um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so your, your advice, and, and again, you mentioned that as we were prepping for the show, is 
it would be good if they could weave in the, an architecture narrative sooner than just their long-term um, goal. How would they approach that? Well, what are a couple of examples? Yeah, so I mean, what's interesting to me is there's a lot happening in architecture and, and in kind of urban planning with respect to these passions that they have around sustainability and, and even social equity. And so I was thinking, you know, there, there are, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, part of me was even wondering, do they need to do this intermediate step of working at a consulting firm? Or or maybe could they be working at a consulting firm that's maybe a, a lesser known firm, but that specializes in kind of development and, you know, urban planning or whatever? I mean, they could do all kinds of things. I, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could go to McKinsey and, and you know, just do a year or two and then move, move into that domain. But I think they, they just need to underline a little bit more clearly what it is that they would want to do with respect to, um, you know, kind of the whole architecture angle. Like, is there a way to weave it together? That's all I'm thinking, because yeah. it'll help them to differentiate, I think. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's great, great advice. Yeah. 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 And I mean, some of these firms do hire. I mean, I, you know, the guy that I went to Wharton with, he went off and joined some large, um, you know, development company and, and you know, was doing kind of business, the business side of architecture and, and development and things. And he was also passionate way back when even about things like sustainability. So it, those jobs are right. out there. Um, in any event, yeah. I want to thank this yeah. person. You particularly liked their username, which is world peace. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, it's my signature file on one of my emails. I know. Right now. Yeah, I know. It's like, we could Christ. use it, yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on <laughs> and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So, yeah, mine's peace, not greed. Yours is right. peace, not greed, not yeah. Greed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, same thing. Yep, so, all right, so here we go. This is the third candidate. This is another ApplyWire entry, and this person's not applying just yet. So they're, um, you know, kind of, again, just like the past candidate, they're kind of getting, their self, getting themselves ready. They have seven schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, Stanford, Chicago Booth, and Wharton, which is basically the M7, but instead of Columbia, they have Berkeley on the list, if I'm doing my um, calculations right here. Uh, they are a military officer. And they're thinking post MBA about getting into consulting, or maybe technology, or even you know maybe in the longer run entrepreneurship. They mentioned Bain, BCG, McKinsey, but they also included Google and Microsoft on the list of target firms. They have a 740 on the GMAT, and their GPA is a 3.66. They've been working for five years. Uh, this person has the most interesting job. They are an officer in the Navy, working as a nuclear power school instructor teaching the fundamentals of nuclear theory to future reactor operators. So um, that's a niche, <laughs> niche job. They have a background in chemical engineering, um, which, they, which they claim is from a kind of me mediocre public school. Um, so they did mention, though, that they are first generation. Um, they are, because they're first generation black, college grad. Uh, they have extracurriculars in college that include student government, um, they were vice president of the Chemical Engineering Club, and they currently do some volunteer work at a local Big Brother, Big Sister chapter. Uh, they've had a lot of interesting growth in the workplace, as you might imagine. I guess they're responsible right now for a, a division of 21 instructors, and they're in charge of several other kind of duties relating to that. Uh, in any event, this is kind of the, the basics. They did mention that they intend to apply to business school 
through uh, MLT, which is, um, I think it's one of the management leaders for tomorrow, um, which is allows them to kind of, it's sort of like a, almost like a coaching thing for underrepresented candidates um, where they get support through the process and, and go through a little bit earlier, I believe even. So that's their current plan. Alex, what do you make of this candidate? I think they could become president of the United States. <laughs> like, don't it? Yeah, that's that's a that's a bold statement. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, the, again, like our last candidate, there's so much to like about this candidate. Um, not least of which, they said, Alex, big fan of the podcast. So you know, oh, that's clearly, why you picked them. <laughs> uh, <we've got> a, <laughs> clearly, we've got to like this candidate. But again, Graham, I mean, sort of joking aside. Um, this candidate has all the attributes to be in a top program. Um, and we can go through them and, and sort of um, bore our listeners a little bit with it. But obviously the numbers are outstanding, 740, 366 from chemical engineering. I don't care what kind of university that is. This is a wicked smart candidate. Um, you know, we know that chemical engineering is notoriously challenging mm -hmm. um, degree. I, I certainly wouldn't have dabbled in the engineering school um, <laughs> to round out my um, my um, um, degrees and, and so on and so forth. But you dabbled um, so in some chemicals at, at times, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go into that. But 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 this this guy's clearly wicked smart. Or uh, uh, um, I'm saying guy, um, being gender neutral, I'm, I'm not sure we know that. Yeah. Um, First generation, which is another, I mean, a hat tip, obviously, they've really done well and sort of progressed yeah. and so on and so forth. That's really, really good. Um, and, you know, it looks like their career in the Navy, <laughs> working on nuclear stuff, right, Graham? Yeah. So, it, you know, you don't just put anyone in, in uh, you know, on that track. And then, you know, a leadership role in that, doing it really, really well and so on and, and so forth. So, yeah, this this person can clearly be on the same learning team as our previous candidate <laughs> um, at Wharton, and both candidates probably will have options at, um, as classmates at other schools too. Um, so, so all that aside, so I think super opportunities here. All that aside, um, they... they goal is to, to sort of go into consulting and, and, and so forth. Um, but they asked a question um, about, I think it, I think it was a, um, this candidate asked the question about um, going into private equity. Yes, yeah, in, in so, the comments that you exchanged with them, they kind of shifted gears, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do you think I'm able, able to land at Harvard Stanford Wharton, right? So they asked that question, do you think I'm able to go into Harvard Stanford Wharton, which I think they completely have the opportunity um, to do that, obviously based on good execution of the applications right. and, and so on and so forth. Um, I could have a shot of breaking into private equity and venture capital or is a lack of a finance background too much of an obstacle? So let's just focus on that, Graham, because I think everything else here is really, really good. Yeah, I agree. If this candidate wants to get into or, or to increase their opportunity for PEVC in the long run, what do they need to do? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think one of the things, as they noted, if you're an admissions reader, you might sort of balk at it initially if you see a goal around PE or VC from someone, like they point out, who doesn't have any kind of a quantitative background, at least not not a finance background. Um, so that's challenging. I, but, I, but I guess my view is, 
I liked the consulting angle. It's a, it's an, a natural thing to do post military. It fits, you know, with with their background. But if they do go to a top school, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, et cetera, then there will be opportunities to recruit for, you know, for finance jobs. I guess the issue is that it still might be a bit of a leap. And so ordinarily you might say, well, go and do some investment banking for a year or two or work in a rotational finance program somewhere and then make the leap into PE. And so that's where I get, I'm just a little worried that it might be challenging for them to do the jump, even at a top school. I think the other thing on my mind is that there are people who make that jump from McKinsey and the likes. And so maybe, you know, they just, um, get on a lot of quant projects when they're at a consulting firm and then make their move into VC or something that way if they've gone to a very top school. So it's a little challenging. I I guess my main point here though, is that I don't know that I would use PE or VC as their kind of messaging in the application as a short-term goal, because I just think it's a bit of a leap. Yeah. I mean, I would completely agree. And potentially if PE VC was their principal longer term goal, um, I, out of anything, that's really what they want to set themselves up to do mm-hmm. um, at some point post MBA. Perhaps investment banking is a better first step than consulting, would you say? Yeah, I mean, traditionally, you know, that's, I mean, th- th- I feel like the people that I know who do VC or PE are often, they're either bankers or they're successful entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. And that would be on the VC side usually. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's an interesting quandary, but again, I agree with you. This person has all the nuts and bolts and all the, you know, all the ingredients that you would expect um, to go to a very top program. So I would, you know, put my head down and, and as we said with the last candidate, just get, get those applications ready do the best that they can. And, and, you know, I, again, consulting is a more natural thing. A lot of military folks just go into consulting. It's a good yeah. way to kind of enter the private sector, et cetera. So I don't know, I would probably start there, but yeah, it's, it is a, a tricky thing. If they really want to do private equity, sometimes banking is the best path to that. So they should, what they should probably do is talk to a bunch of um, people in industry and get their take. Cause I'm not an expert. I don't, I've never worked in that domain, but I would, I would talk to some grads who have done it all. So, yeah, yeah. But again, fantastic overall profile um, and, and, and wish them the best luck. And just like our, our previous candidate, round one, target the very best. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Round, if, you, if you need to come back to round two, that's not going to be a problem in terms of will it be any more difficult because they're not overrepresented by any stretch of the imagination. Agreed. Yeah. And I, and I did want to thank them for the kind words. They mentioned that they are a big fan of the podcast, which is now I realize why you picked them to just to discuss here. Um, and also because well, they they're they got a double whammy. Yeah. They're a big fan of the podcast and they responded on apply wise. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So Alex, thanks for picking these out as always. Um, we'll do it all again next week if you're willing. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> thanks for, I mean, these are, we're, we're a really interesting set of candidates this week and very qualified candidates. So always fun to see these people with such diverse and, and accomplished backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very good. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.